Well, last Sunday, I did something I haven't done in a long time. I went to church. Not, not online church, though I did that too. But after watching the online service at home, I put on some decent clothes, drove over to the Lexington campus, and, and joined about 20 or so folks in the sanctuary. We were all auditioning a worship leader, so we had invited a few staff and family members to come together and, and provide a, a, a mini-congregation. So we mingled together for a few minutes, socially distanced, of course, and someone stepped up to the microphone and welcomed us. And the next thing you know, a worship service broke out. The drummer clicked off the opening beat. The worship leader invited us to stand, and, and we practically jumped to our feet. We were clapping before she even asked us to. We sang through our masks and put our hands in the air. Richard Rhodes was practically dancing in the aisles. And it felt great. And as it was happening, I, I looked around at the, at the nearly empty room and imagined it full of people, all ages and stages and walks of life, on their feet, singing and clapping and celebrating the goodness of God. Friends, I can't wait for that to happen. It's been a year since we've been together like that. This is our 54th online Sunday service. Now, now we've gotten pretty good at it. I, mean, I thought last week's service was beautiful. The music, the, the visual imagery, Leah brought a great message. Karen and I sat for a while after the broadcast and, and talked about what we sensed the Lord saying to us. I, I really am so proud of our team for, for the ministry they've delivered this past year. Not only the Sunday experiences, but Kids Town and student ministry, all the groups that have continued to meet and, and even thrive in, in this most challenging season. And, and I'm grateful for all of you, for the way you've continued to pray and serve and give and participate. It's been a remarkable testimony to God's faithfulness and to the resilience of his people, the church. But... I've got to tell you, I can't wait to be back in person again. And we're almost there. As we announced a couple of weeks ago, we're going to begin working our way back to in-person ministry after Easter. And if you hang with me to the end of this message, I'll, I'll tell you some more about that. But as excited as we are about that, before we get there, we need to be asking ourselves a very important question. What kind of church will we be on the other side of all of this? What kind of people will we be on the other side of all of this? I mean, let, let's face it, the, the pandemic has changed us. It's disrupted our daily routines and our weekly rhythms. It's changed the way we, we do our jobs and go to school and see the doctor and shop for groceries. And it's changed the way we engage with this thing called church. Now, it's, it's not all bad. There have been some gains in this season, for sure. But there have been plenty of losses as well. So what kind of church will we be? What kind of people will we be on the other side of all of this? Now notice, I didn't say when we come back, because we're not coming back, are we? 
I think we all understand there's no going back to the way things were before COVID-19 shook the planet. There's a new normal out in front of us and no one really knows what it will look like. But now is the time to get ready for it. Now's the time to discern what God is doing, where God is leading as individuals and as families and as a church. And that's what this series is all about. We're calling it Fast Forward. We're learning how spiritual practices like fasting can prepare us for and even propel us into the future. So far, we've tried fasting from food and drink, from social media, from our news feeds, and from our stuff, the material things and pursuits that, that occupy so much of our time and attention. And we fasted from those things, not, not, not to impress God or punish ourselves, but to make space in our lives for things like prayer and scripture and reflection and generosity. Space for God to come near, to guide us and shape us. But we're going to discover today that when we fast, we not only make space for God, we make space for others, for the people in our lives and for the world around us. So let's turn again to the Gospel of Luke, to an intriguing string of stories and sayings that I believe can help us envision the kind of people in church we want to be and how spiritual practices like fasting can help us get there. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 9, and we'll begin at verse 1. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So Jesus and his disciples have been on the road for a while at this point, weeks at least, probably months. They've watched him teach and heal and cast out demons. And they've become something of a, of a unit at this point, the Twelve. I picture them posing for an album cover. But we get the sense from Luke that this is a pivotal moment for Jesus and the Twelve. It's interesting, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this moment, and all three of them tell us that Jesus does two things with his disciples at this point. First, he gathers them. When Jesus had called the twelve together, Luke tells us. Sounds like he pulled them aside, away from the crowd for a while, out of the rush and the press of things. And he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. Now, we're not told how he did that. I really don't think he patted each one on the head or pinned a badge on their robes. I imagine he taught them and he trained them and he prayed for them. And that had to feel good to the disciples, to have time with Jesus like that, to be together without all the distraction and demand of the crowd. And so the first thing Jesus does in this pivotal moment is to, is to gather them. The second thing he does is to scatter them. We're told that he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. <laughs> 
Now, this is the first time Jesus sends them out on their own without him. And he sends them out to preach and to heal. In other words, to serve people both spiritually and materially. Now, what I want us to notice here is that Jesus is preparing his followers for a time when he will no longer be with them. He's training them to carry on the work of the kingdom after he's gone. Now, they don't understand all that yet, but Jesus is preparing them anyway. And so he introduces them to this rhythm of gathering and scattering, coming together for teaching and encouragement, and then going out to serve and minister. And this rhythm of gathering and scattering is going to be repeated three times in this chapter. Uh, but then Jesus gives some strange instructions. Well, let's pick it up in verse 3. He told them, Take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. So what's that all about? They don't know where they're going how long they'll be gone, what they're going to encounter. So what's wrong with packing a bag? I mean, who goes on a road trip without cash or a credit card? Not to mention a bag of M&Ms or whatever you like to munch on when you drive. Jesus tells them not to bring anything. Now, it wasn't quite as crazy as it sounds to us. I mean, it was actually fairly common at the time for traveling sages and rabbis to depend on the kindness of strangers to sustain them along the way. Maybe like street musicians on a subway platform today. Uh, but still, bring nothing? Jesus is obviously trying to teach them something. Remember, he's preparing them for a time when he will no longer be with them. So they need to learn to live in moment by moment dependence on their Heavenly Father and on the ministry of the Spirit. So if they can learn to trust God for things like food and shelter, they can also learn to trust God for things like preaching and healing. I mean, you could call it a form of fasting. They were giving up some earthly things in order to experience some heavenly things. We'll come back to the idea a little bit later, but, but for now, let's just finish this first story. Verse 6. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. In other words, they did it. After gathering for a time of teaching and training, they scattered for a season of preaching and service. And as they trusted God to meet their needs, they found out they were able to meet others' needs as well. And because they did, great numbers of people believed and were healed. So, so Jesus establishes this rhythm of gathering and scattering. He calls his followers not only to be with him, but to go out from him. And 2,000 years later, that rhythm 
is still with us, right? I mean, we gather on Sundays for worship and teaching and connection. And then we scatter on Monday to live out our faith at home and school and work. Many of us will actually gather again once or twice during the week, uh, maybe for a, a Bible study or prayer time. And then we'll scatter again to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. I like the way a writer named Aaron Nequist puts it. He writes, We can't separate spiritual formation from redemptive mission. Formation and mission belong together. Growth and service, worship and witness, these things are meant to fuel each other. And it's such an ingrained rhythm, we've kept it up right through COVID. I mean, thanks to Zoom and YouTube and laptops and smartphones, for a year now, we have continued to gather digitally on Sundays and then in our groups. And then to scatter digitally and physically to school and home and work and neighborhood. Now, the disciples obviously couldn't have imagined uh, such a time. But I'm guessing perhaps Jesus could. And you know, in some ways, this, this year of COVID has actually intensified our commitments to gathering and scattering. I mean, since our services are online, it doesn't matter if you're sick or traveling or have a conflict on a Sunday morning, you can still tune in for the service. We've had great participation in our prayer gatherings. Small groups are still going strong. In part because weather and babysitting are no longer a problem, but mostly because people are so desperate to be together. We have, we have over 100 people in our online community right now. People who have never been to a physical Grace Chapel campus, but are worshiping with us regularly, joining groups, even giving and serving. And so COVID has brought new energy to our scattering as well, to our service and our outreach. Uh, we were only a couple of months into this last spring when we, when we <laughs> realized that the church had left the building. And that turned out to be a good thing. We've been partnering like never before with, with food banks, with assisted living facilities, the YMCA, community centers all across greater Boston. I mean, recently, Pastor Richard and a, and a group of GC volunteers have joined with a, a local nonprofit called Ahensi Alpha to promote and assist with, with vaccinations in the immigrant community in greater Boston. It's a population that's especially vulnerable and, and, and reticent to come forward for the vaccine. A, a, a recent survey of pastors reveals that a top priority for their churches coming out of the pandemic is community engagement. It seems that, that this pandemic, along with all the political and racial turmoil in our nation, has awakened us to the needs of our neighbors and to our calling to meet those needs, spiritual and material, in Jesus' name. You know, a, a crazy thought occurred to me 
as, as I was driving over to record this message. For the past year, we've experienced a, a sort of involuntary fast from church as we've always known it. From services and, and gatherings and groups and events. Could it be that God is using this involuntary fast to awaken within us a deeper hunger for himself and for each other, for the needs of the world? Could it be that in the providence of God, he is using this fast from church as we've known it to prepare us for and propel us into church as it's going to be? I'm not suggesting that, that God engineered this whole thing, but he certainly can use it and even redeem it for his purposes if we let him. So, so spiritual formation and redemptive mission. This is the kind of church that we've been. It's the kind of church we're going to be on the other side of all of this. What, what's new is that we will be doing those things both physically and digitally, in person and online. Are you familiar with the term digital? It describes the, the new reality we are entering into, in which people will do everything both physically and digitally. Work, school, shopping, doctor's visits, and church. People want to be able to move seamlessly from one environment to the other. Now, now that transition was happening already, but COVID has accelerated it, especially in the church. So, so, so here at Grace, we, we've made a decision back in the fall that online church was not just a temporary stopgap measure to get us through the pandemic until uh, we could go back to church the way it used to be. Now, we made a strategic decision to build a digital ministry platform that will enable us to deliver almost every aspect of our ministry in a digital, virtual format. Not, not in place of in-person ministry, but in partnership with in-person ministry. The disciples went village to village preaching and healing because that's where the people were. Well, we're going from platform to platform preaching and healing because that's where people are today. So, so all this year, we have been reorganizing and reimagining every aspect of church life uh, to, to, to determine how, how we can reach and serve more people more effectively than ever before. In fact, we have, we, we've kind of quietly been inviting people to give to support this new initiative. Now, we didn't want to burden the whole congregation with a, with a, with a capital campaign when, when so many people are facing financial struggles and uncertainty right now. But, but we have been sharing the vision with, with folks who have expressed an interest in this new ministry platform. We've actually given it a name. We're calling it Extending Grace. And at this point, 
people have already committed nearly a million dollars over and above their regular giving towards this new initiative. Yes, a million dollars. You can clap if you want. Now, if you'd like to learn more about it and perhaps consider a commitment toward that initiative, yeah, you can find a digital brochure on our website at grace.org slash extending grace. So you can call it fidgetal church or hybrid church or omni-channel church. The point is, we will be gathering and scattering in new and exciting ways on the other side of all of this. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But first, let's catch up with Jesus and his disciples again. Let's see what fasting has to do with all of this. So the next story that Luke tells is the feeding of the 5,000. He begins it like this in verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. So once again, we see Jesus gathering his disciples, bringing them together to, to kind of celebrate and, and debrief their ministry tour. And, and they, they had to be excited about that, to be alone with Jesus and, and with each other after weeks on the road, to rest and swap stories, and, and mostly to have Jesus all to themselves. Friends, gathering is a wonderful thing coming together to celebrate and connect and be encouraged. I mean, that's why we love being together like this on a Sunday, even virtually. And it's why we can't wait to, to do it in person. But, but no sooner had they settled in for, for some time with Jesus when the crowd showed up again, wanting more healing and more teaching. Now, the disciples want nothing to do with it. Send the crowd away, they said to Jesus. They're hungry and tired, Jesus, and so are we. But once again, Jesus throws them into the deep end of the pool. You give them something to eat, he says. Who, us? The disciples respond, we got nothing, Jesus. I'm paraphrasing there. Um, and suddenly we realize what's going on. This is another training run, another teachable moment for the disciples. Now, we can't take time to tell the whole story here today, but, but the disciples discover once again that they have to live and serve in complete moment-by-moment -moment dependence on God. And when they do that, when they set aside their own needs and plans, they not only end up with more than enough food for the crowd, they each get a doggy basket of bread and fish to take with them on the road. And that story sets up what I believe is the pivotal verse in this whole section. We're going to skip ahead here down to chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily 
and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. Jesus is telling his disciples and us once again that the only way to follow him is to live in complete, moment-by-moment dependence on him. Even to the point of denying our own comfort and our own preferences in order to receive the better things that he has to offer us and the world. I actually like the way the the scholar N.T. Wright translates verse 23. If any of you want to come after me, you must say no to yourselves and pick up your cross every day and follow me. You must say no to yourselves. That's what the disciples had to do when the crowd showed up and interrupted their private retreat. They were tired and hungry and they wanted to spend time with Jesus. Instead, Jesus told them to get on their feet and feed the hungry mob. They didn't want to do it, but when they did, they not only had an experience with Jesus far greater than they anticipated, they walked away with more food than they ever imagined. You must say no to yourselves. That's what we do when we fast. Fasting is a way of practicing self-denial. Giving up good things, food, drink, all kinds of earthly things and activities. Giving up those things in order to receive from God something better. And when we do that, we discover that God can not only meet our needs, but he can meet the needs of those around us as well. So we're learning something new about fasting here. We're learning that that when we give up something to to make space for God, we're also making space for others. We're learning that the spiritual practices aren't just inward disciplines that bring us closer to God. They are outward disciplines that empower us to serve others in Jesus' name. Fasting isn't just about making space for things like prayer and scripture. It's about making space for things like compassion and service. So so let's put it this way. Fasting is a way of saying no to ourselves in order to say yes to others. Saying no to ourselves to our comfort and convenience, to our needs and desires, in order to say yes to the needs and desires of others. Because if we're not careful, the spiritual practices can easily become a form of of spiritual narcissism, uh, what I can call sanctified navel-gazing. I mean, we, we end up we can end up so focused on the state of our own soul that we lose sight of the souls around us. So so this week, let's practice saying no to ourselves. 
let's take a fast from our own comfort and convenience in order to free up time and energy to serve someone else. It might mean giving up an hour of personal time in order to reach out to someone else, someone who might appreciate a phone call or a walk or a home-cooked meal delivered to their house. It might mean picking up some of those chores around the house, even when it's not your turn to do them. It might mean taking some money that you're going to spend on yourself and, and giving it away to a worthy cause or to someone in need. It might mean taking some time that you're going to spend on yourself and, and give it away to others. You see, when we fast, we say no to ourselves in order to say yes to others. And if we can practice doing that in small ways during Lent, we'll be better equipped to do it in big ways as we look forward to life and church on the other side of this pandemic. So, so let me share with you our, our vision for what we believe the next few months could look like. And then invite you to consider serving and being part of the new things we believe God is going to do here at Grace. So we're envisioning three phases as we prepare to relaunch the ministry. Now notice, we're not talking about reopening because we've never been closed. And we're not talking about re-entering because it's not about our buildings. We're talking about relaunching because we believe that Grace Chapel will be a different kind of church on the other side. Uh, not just a digital or a hybrid church, but a church that gathers and scatters with new intensity and impact. A church that's empowered by spiritual practices like prayer and fasting and service. So let me give you a quick overview of those three phases. The first phase we're calling Reset. And that will begin two weeks after Easter on Sunday, April 18th, and run through Sunday, June 6th. And during this reset phase, we'll be piloting our Sunday services one campus at a time on a rotating basis, with each campus holding in-person services on two Sundays during that eight-week period. There'll be live worship and live preaching from the campus pastor, but we won't be doing any next-gen ministries or any kind of indoor gathering in that phase. Now, you can sit with your family or with a group of friends, but, but seating will be limited, so you'll need to register in advance by phone or online uh, for those in-person services. Every time, we'll be saving some spaces for, for visitors and guests and uh, newcomers. The second phase we're calling Ramp Up. And that phase will begin on Sunday, June 13th, and continue all summer through Sunday, September 5th. And during this phase, we'll be holding in-person Sunday services on all our campuses every Sunday. There'll be live worship, and campuses will be taking the live sermon feed from Lexington. Now, as the summer unfolds, we'll begin phasing in some limited kids' town and student ministry, along with groups in the cafe, 
as we literally ramp up toward the fall. And the third phase we're calling relaunch. And that'll begin on Vision Sunday, September 12th. And we're hoping, praying that by that time, we'll be able to offer a full slate of services and ministries for all ages on all our campuses. Not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Not just in person, but online as well. Now, obviously, all this is subject to change depending on how things go and the CDC guidelines. And, and, and we understand that some people are more ready and able to come back in person than others, and, and, and we respect that. So, so throughout these phases, and, and even after relaunch in the fall, we'll continue to offer our online Sunday experience in much the same format you've come to know this past year. So I'm sure you have lots of questions and there's a whole lot yet to be figured out. But you can keep track with all these plans on the website at grace.org relaunch and as always on our Grace Chapel app. But, but, but here's the thing as we finish up here. Our biggest challenge and opportunity as we relaunch is going to be staffing all those ministries with leaders and volunteers. Now, now many of you have continued to, to, to serve and lead throughout this past year, and we have been so grateful for that. But others have not been able to or not had opportunities to serve. And, and let's be honest, we, we've gotten awfully used to sitting back and watching church from our couches. This is the first time in my whole adult life I've had weekends free. Online church can be really comfortable and really convenient. So as we get going again, we're going to have to practice saying no to ourselves so we can say yes to others. No to our needs to encounter Jesus so that we can help others encounter Jesus. No to comfort and convenience so we can say yes to service and mission. Maybe you'll like to say yes to Kids Town or student ministries. There's all kinds of ways to serve. A small group leader, do some leading and teaching up front, serve behind the scenes. Maybe you'd like to be part of the welcome team on your campus, serving as a greeter or a host in the cafe or, or in the parking lot. Maybe you have technical skills in IT or production. As we resume all our live services and expand our online offerings, we're looking for a whole new set of church volunteers, videographers and audio engineers and graphic designers and digital marketers. So you can find all these opportunities and, and many more at grace.org slash serve or, or, or on the Grace Chapel app. And, and, and maybe, maybe at this point you're only ready to serve for this transitional phase for the spring and summer. That's okay. We'll take care of the fall later on. But we'll, we'll need a crew of people soon to get ourselves up and running again. I can't wait to see what God is going to do on the other side of all of this. And, and I don't want anyone to miss out on any of it. 
And that's why this Fast Forward series is so important as we prepare to relaunch. So let's practice self-denial this week. Let's look for ways to, to say no to our comfort and convenience so we can say yes to the spiritual and material needs of people around us. Because when we do that, like the disciples, we'll discover that God is not only able to meet others' needs through us, He's able to meet our needs and more in ways we never could have asked for or even imagined. Well, thanks for listening today, folks, and, and for making this journey with us. Can't wait till we're all back together again. But until then, feel free to reach out to me anytime at brian at grace.org. But now let's enjoy this next song, and, and then Pastor Tom will come and send us on our way. <laughs>